Hi there and welcome to this week's podcast from journalism.co.uk. On this episode we'll be hearing from virtual reality creator Catherine Allen about why moral panic could be detrimental to the virtual reality industry. The potential of virtual reality is exciting because this medium is really nothing like we've ever seen before. By just putting on a headset and a pair of earphones, audiences can feel as if they've been completely transported to another place or time, feeling like they would do as if they were really there. We just have to look at some of the VR pieces produced by the journalism industry to see just how powerful this form of immersive storytelling really is. For example, Within's Clouds Over Sidra was able to give an insight into the life of a 12-year-old refugee. The BBC's Easter Rising, Voice of a Rebel, took viewers back to the streets of Dublin to witness the 1916 Rising. And The Guardian's latest VR project, First Impressions, enables viewers to explore how a baby sees the world during its first six months of life. And that's only a few examples within the journalism industry. This platform is being used in loads of industries from property development to healthcare, not only can VR content take audiences to different places and put them in different situations, but we can also use it to educate viewers, make them feel certain emotions, help them better understand things and let them live out an experience that they might never get a chance to have in the real world. The possibilities of this medium are truly limitless, but that might not always be a good thing. What if these immersive experiences alter our society for the worse? What if they play with our perception of what is real and what is not? What if they negatively change the way we see the world and subsequently our actions within it? It's quite likely that there will be a moral panic around VR at some point. That's Catherine Allen, an experienced VR content creator and curator who spoke about the issue of moral panic at Arama, the immersive journalism festival held in London on the 1st of April. She explained that the public have a right to be concerned. The possible effects of blood and gore, intense violence and strong sexual content has been criticised in more traditional video games. So why not now, when viewers are actually in the scenario and see things out of the eyes of the people, for example, committing crimes or being aggressive? And these are of course appropriate concerns to have, but if not addressed, these may lead to a moral panic, an instance of public anxiety in response to a problem regarded as threatening the moral standards of society. And that is an issue that could be detrimental to the virtual reality industry. Here's Catherine to explain. Moral panic is actually quite a, um, an old theory. Um, it was first developed in the 1960s um, by someone called Stanley Cohen. Um, and he wrote a book about moral panics and folk devils. So this was obviously like way before social media, the internet. Um, and he was looking at the way that um, the tabloids were responding to things things that were happening with young people and blowing it so far out of proportion creating um, and stoking playing to the public's like worst fears and anxieties um, and you can follow moral panics right through from then I mean they're happening before but always happened but you can fo follow it through and see how with digital it's almost like accelerated so a really good example of moral panic is Google Glass <laughs> look at how people responded to the idea that you'd have something on your face that would be filming what was happening potentially all the time. I mean Google Glass didn't happen in the end for consumers anyway. Um, in 2015 Google pulled it um, and that's because culturally it wasn't sitting right and there were all these sort of memes evolving like people calling people glass holes who were wearing them or finding it too weird just just doesn't sit right with culture and 
that is an example of when moral panic can actually kill something off that could be really valuable and Google Glass could have been and still probably will be really valuable. Fast forward now a few years to virtual reality's renaissance and moral panic could well put a bit of a dampener on what we're up to. And so it's really important that we think about the ethics around VR now and address them before it becomes too heated. So there's a range of different issues um, that could cause moral, uh, be, be triggers for moral panic, right? First one that we're seeing at the moment even already is around VR and sex. So it's one of the largest parts of a current market that's actually making any money is VR porn. And that's getting a huge amount of coverage already in like, especially UK press I've seen, like Daily Mail for instance, has already done 17 articles on VR and sex and oh what might happen does it count as infidelity or oh what about some um, teledildonics and people having sex with somebody on the other side of the world like how might this just just having a sort of a, a sense of fascination and fear at the same time <laughs> around this VR sex area so if you sort of fast forward and look at what that might become what about the idea that um, people could create 3D models of celebrities that were really, really realistic. And then you have something like the equivalent of a photo leak that happened where, where people could simulate having sex with somebody who actually wasn't consenting to it. Those are the sorts of fears, you know, that uh, we're probably likely going to see. <laughs> um, another area is what about kids using VR? Um, we've already seen research, not much research, but some research that does have some potentially worrying results. It shows just the power of VR and, for instance, creating false memories in kids. So um, this is a Stanford study that found that half of children um, under the age of, of four, so like below school age, um, when you gave them an experience in VR, they remembered it afterwards as if it happened. And that's half of the children who did it. That's a false memory. VR is creating false memories in kids. It can do that. Now, I don't want to get all overhyped about this and freaked out I'm just aware that the some media especially journalists from say you know tabloids who are covering all sorts of things their stories there stories ripe actually to for, for exploration um, we, we're gonna see a sort of probably lo lots of stories around kids and VR use and the potential effects but that's something we have to address now as an industry essentially self-regulate I think um, Another area, <laughs> violence. We've seen it with computer games. Well, VR is immersive, it's really, really powerful. And there's already, again, there's already been some discussion around should murder in VR be illegal? Um, is that because it's so, can be, the sense of presence can make you feel so real, like you're actually doing stuff rather than just feeling like you're watching somebody else do it or simulating doing it. It feels so real that should we, carry forward with us the same sorts of um, approach to, to what is right and wrong because we travel up through with us into the virtual world. So those questions are already being asked. VR and violence, I mean, that again is, is definitely going to be a sort of hot point to watch, I think. And there's already some games out that feel pretty crazy and violent, you know, that have kind of surprised me that they've, you know, been okay to be sort of, you know, profiled by major hardware manufacturers as well who are manufacturing their headsets and they're promoting them. You're doing it as opposed to watching it. There's a difference there because you're, you're complicit in that action. If you're actually simulating doing it, the level of involvement in activity is significantly more. So what does this mean for consumers and the effect it will have on people's behaviour, if any? 
Does doing something in VR really have an effect on our behaviour and thoughts in the outside world? We just don't know. There's not been that much research done into virtual reality and especially not longitudinal research, you know, following through the effects of VR over years, if not decades, very little has been done in that space because it hasn't been around long enough. So we just don't know. And I don't want to get all kind of over-egged and extreme about it. I just think it's something we should be aware of as an industry that, yeah, VR might have more of an impact on behaviour. Um, it might, I mean, especially what we're looking at, you know, we're, we're here at the Arama conference, which is an immersive journalism conference. One point that keeps coming up is the power of VR to create empathy or to change behaviour, to have social impact. And, you know, we're all thinking here, social good, but people have different ideas of what social good is. Well, sometimes they don't even care. They, they you know, they, things are created for entertainment value. So that power that we're all so excited about right now, we're talking about, we've been talking about the last, you know, yesterday and today, it can be used in all sorts of ways. And we shouldn't assume it's just going to be used for our idea of good is so when you take that power and you apply it to something like for instance violence um, in vr is it going to be more have more effect on our audience we don't know but it could do so what can publishers do to try and address any audience's concerns from the get-go to ethically produce material that will not contribute to a collective moral panic well it's all connection to the audience as early as possible so not making something in a vacuum and then putting it out and saying hey look what we made but to test the idea really early on with an audience before you've even made it, see what their response is, see how it sits with them, see how they feel, um, and keep testing. Because if you get a sense of how does it sit with this group of people, you get a really good feedback loop going, um, and that you can feedback back into your work and essentially give VR a great cultural space within your audience that you're making it for. And that includes um, understanding how it sits with them ethically as well, uh, and potentially making adjustments as well. So something that we did with Easter Rising Voice of Rebel when I produced that for BBC was we, we put, we, we did surveys about this, you know, potentially um, controversial topic, potentially. We, we did a survey with, um, with uh, members of the public, see how they felt about the issue, how they felt about VR, how they felt about VR, about the, this this area of history, what excites them about it, what they're scared about. So we had a really great source of information early on and we could um, preempt what response would be like before we had actually made it. Um, and then another thing is, is once, once you've created VR and, and it's out, is encourage your consumers or readers or whatever you want to call them to be active consumers so to let you know what they think about it and give them a channel where they can let you know how they feel about it directly rather than you know going to the world and toilet potentially you know telling twitter telling so you can if you provide them with a sort of space to air their feelings then you can see if it pushes any sort of panic buttons and uh, early on and you know, maybe you want to do something that sort of pushes panic buttons, but at least be aware of what you're doing. The survey that was commissioned by the law firm Wigan, which showed that, and this was only like a month ago that we did this, 59% of UK adults are concerned about the potential reduced sense of right and wrong while in VR. That's more, you know, more than half. Majority of adults are concerned. Um, more than half as well, 58% are worried about becoming addicted. 
and 55% of British adults fear that VR will affect their real world behaviour. And that word fear is important, you know. We're talking here at this conference about how we're, this festival, about how we're excited about how VR can affect people's real world behaviour. But we've got to look at the flip side of that. Fear, like the public are scared, or they could be scared. The survey that I was involved with, with Wigan, it was even more than I expected. I didn't realise we'd get more than half of adults saying this. But I just want to temper that. Also, most of UK adults haven't tried VR. 13% of women have tried it, 20% of men have tried it. Trying VR, I think, will make a big difference because when you tried it, you feel, of course, you feel differently about it. And I, I think my instinct is people feel more comfortable with it once they've done it. Um, but that's not to say that we should just discount the public sphere as an industry. You know, we should take it into account, build it into our practice to make sure that what we're doing is so ethically robust that we can weather that storm that's coming. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.